Welcome to Life with Luisi, a podcast that aims to understand life issues in Christian morality. I am your host, Luis Holverson, and today I am joined by three experts in different fields. I am told that all three are devout Catholics and can provide interesting and thoughtful insight on life issues our society face today in the context of the Catholic Church. Nearly everyone in their life will encounter one of these life issues. Here to share their insights are Dr. Alexandro Ampulia, Mr. Juan Pablo Palomera, and Mr. Andres Avilaud, who can share their insights from the perspective of their respective fields. First up, we have Dr. Alexandra Ampulia, a doctor at Hall Oaks Medical Center in Costa Rica. He specializes in end-of-life issues. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I've been a fan of the show for a while now. I'm glad to hear that. Can I call you Alex? That's Dr. Alito to you, actually. <laughs> All right, my apologies, Dr. Alito. So, please. Tell me about your day-to-day at the hospital. What do you see? What do you encounter? Uh, how is it like? At the hospital, I work in the intensive care unit. Daily, I encounter many people who are in critical condition and need medical assistance. These situations tend to be highly stressful and require lots of energy and attention. I'm sure it does. Well, uh, without giving away any confidential information, what's the most common way you see families dealing with the end of life? Usually, families experience fear and stress in an end-of-life situation. They always ask us to do the most that can be done for the patient. This can be unpleasant for some because not all lives can be saved. If not, their death can be prolonged. There are a few families that know what to do when an end-of-life situation occurs, but several families do not know and always consider death as a last alternative. Maybe it should be reconsidered, although we, as doctors, try our hardest to say every life, not all patient, not all patients that are in this intensive care unit make it out. Of course. So some solutions that I've heard of are assisted suicide and euthanasia and natural death. Can you explain to me how these differ and you know, give me examples? Right. For these different forms of death in the hospital, they're all similar in the matter of life ending. The way that in each alternative is carried out has its own procedure. For example, euthanasia and assisted suicide go hand in hand. Euthanasia is a painless killing of a patient suffering from an incurable and painful disease or an irreversible coma. However, assisted suicide is a suicide of a patient suffering an incurable disease but are killed through the use of lethal drugs. Natural death, on the other hand, is simply dying due to natural causes, which is different than these forms of assisted death. What is your understanding of the teaching of the church with each of these issues? The church has a very clear stance on physician-assisted suicide in situations where it is necessary. It is morally and theologically impermissible to perform an assisted suicide because of God's sovereignty and sanctity of human life. The church is pro-life and respects that matter on all grounds. 
Wow. Well, thank you so much for this great insight. It actually makes a lot of sense to me. I appreciate you answering these questions. Of course. Thanks for having me. Next up on the show, we have Mr. Juan Pablo Palomera. He has spent the past 20 years in the field of stem cell research as a scientist. He has given keynote speeches around the country and the world to, th to thousands of people regarding stem cell research. Thanks for coming on, Mr. Palomera. Oh, please, call me Juanpi. I appreciate the invitation. Of course. So tell me a little bit about what you've done throughout your career. I'm currently an assistant professor at the Center for Stem Cell Biology at the Life Sciences Institute. I'm also an assistant professor of hematology oncology in the medical school. I'm currently investigating the signals regulating the development and function of blood forming stem cells. Can you elaborate more on exactly what is an embryonic stem cell and how can you use them in research? Yes, so embryonic stem cells are basically stem cells that are derived from the inner mass cells of a human embryo. So this occurs four to five days after fertilization, at which time the embryos consist of 50 to 150 cells. Embryonic stem cells are pluripotent, which means that they are able to grow and potentially be used to replace or restore tissues that have been damaged by disease or injury. They can also be used in our research to focus on the therapeutical potential of embryonic stem cells. The cells are being studied to be used as clinical therapies, models of genetic disorders, and also for DNA repair. How do embryonic stem cells differ from adult stem cells? So adult stem cells are thought to be limited to differ differentiating to different cell types of their tissue of origin, while embryonic stem cells can become all cell types due to their pluripotent properties. Wow, so embryonic stem cells sound so versatile. Can you explain to me how an embryonic stem cell is fertilized? Yes, so the cells go from a pre-implantation stage into a culture dish with a nutrient broth. From there, they divide and multiply and cover the dish. We repeat this process for months, and then the stem cell lines are frozen, collected, and stored. And what are some of the potential therapeutic uses of embryonic stem cells that you were talking about? Some of these potential uses are for the treatment of diseases and conditions, which can be diabetes, heart disease, or even Parkinson's or spinal cord injury. That sounds incredible. So can you explain to all our Christian listeners what exactly the church teaches about the embryonic stem cell research and why the church thinks that? Yes. So the Catholic Church actually opposes research involving human embryonic stem cells. This is because they require the destruction of the human embryo during their isolation. This goes against the church's pro-life position. But however, they are not against adult stem cell research. Well, that makes a lot of sense because the church is very pro-life and an embryo comes from you know, the human embryo and having to disrupt that human life in order for scientific research. It makes a lot of sense for the church to be against it. Thank yes, you so exactly. much. Thank you so much for your insight. Of course. Thank you for having me. Finally, we have a therapist who has 25 years of experience working with teenagers. He specializes in, in helping teens who struggle with addiction. Happy to have you here, Mr. Abilaud. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Something I'm curious about is how a therapist's mental health is affected by working with teenagers facing these tough situations. Can you elaborate more on that? Yeah. 
Well, Luis, this is a complicated subject because before a therapist, I am a professional. As a professional, I am prepared to deal with teenagers who have even the deepest forms of depression. My goal as a therapist is to show my patients the light and to bring them out of the dark hole they are in. The situations that my clients bring to me are extremely delicate. I must be in my full capacity to help them end their addictions. I always remind my patients that depression can be treated with medication and psychological therapy and that God wants them to live a happy and fulfilling life. Wow. So do you happen to have any kids of your own? Yes. I have two boys and a girl between the ages of 12 and 20. So your work must hit close to home, right? Of course. My children motivate me to help others who are facing dire situations. My children and I are very open about mental health. On days that they don't feel completely mentally healthy, I allow them to stay home from school. I want to emphasize in my household that mental health is serious and worth taking care of. Thankfully, they are in a good place with mental health. However, they open my eyes because every child should be happy like them, so that's why I get out of bed every morning. Actually, I take a lot of patients for free because my goal is to help the situation. Many of the kids I work with come from lower-income homes, but I also have patients that come from high-income homes. Nevertheless, regardless of their household income, many of my patients go through the same struggles. Wow, that's incredible. So, can you explain to our teenage audiences and any parents listening the harmful behaviors that can affect a teenager's mental health? Yeah. Sadly, many teens do not understand the consequences of their actions. Vaping and tobacco corporations have done an incredible job at fooling the entire population. Big Tobacco knows the negative effects of their products. However, they choose to bury the evidence for their own benefit. Vaping companies such as Juul have wasted millions of millions on advertising Juuling as cool. Not wanting to go into specifics, but put simply, smoking releases certain chemicals into your body which can cause serious physical damage and or depression. Other behaviors in teens that is evident nowadays is pornography. This activity harms the mind and soul by exposing young people to a version of sexual activity that is neither loving, caring, or realistic. Another activity I see mostly with my female patients is relying on social media, which is harmful for the mind and soul because teenagers become dependent and addicted to social media and cyber satisfaction. People try to fit themselves into this mold that was created by society, which isn't realistic and can lead to extreme depression. Luis, these were just a few examples, but there are countless more. Parents have to be attentive of their children's behavior. Yes, of course, vaping, pornography, and social media can have horrible effects on the, on the mental health. Can you describe how these behaviors affect mental health? Yes, there's a huge spectrum of behaviors that can affect mental health. Physical, mental, and spiritual health are all related. A person must have a balance to be healthy. Mental health can be affected by substances that release chemicals into your body. Some teens become completely depending on the substance, which can lead to depression. I have patients which have become more aggressive because of pornography. Most of my patients who are depressed perform poorly in school because they cannot concentrate. Also because all they want to do is sleep. A teen who is constantly sleeping and does little to no physical activity is probably depressed. And 
Are you aware of the Catholic Church's opinion on this? Can you explain it to those listening, please? Yes, the Catholic Church is 100% for care of the body, mind, and soul. The Church is completely against harmful behaviors because it can ultimately lead to destruction and or death. This is all based on the Sixth Commandment, Thou shalt not kill. Ultimately, harmful behavior kills your mental health and your body. Great insight. Yeah. Listen, I have two kids of my own. Something that I'm concerned about is their lack of sleep. How important is it for a teenager to get adequate sleep and why? Great question, Luis. Sleep is paramount for mental health and development. A lack of sleep can take a toll on the body as well. Everyone in the field of medicine, science, and psychology urge teenagers to get at least seven to eight hours of sleep. It also helps us recover from the day and helps us attack the next day with energy. Man, I wish I could get some more sleep. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mr. Abilod, for coming on. I appreciate having you here. All right. Thank you, Luis. It was a pleasure.